Two Worlds Podcast. My name is Luke. I'll be the host today. Sad day. Oh, sad couple weeks actually. Andrew Gulovich, Gitch is gone. Do you know that Gitch told me that his name actually meant? Did he tell you that it has a new meaning? What? Oh man, oh man, I, I, that blows me away that I forgot this. But he had this new meaning for the word Gitch that it actually has like silver lining or something. I don't know, but. Huh. But he was very proud of it until I told him it really didn't make any difference. He was still gitch. <laughs> so Andrew's gone, and he will probably never be on this podcast again. Well, maybe. Well, I mean, hopefully. He visits. Maybe. Hopefully he'll visit and be a guest on it. We could us. actually call him in. We could call Andrew Guest. In. Have yeah, a guest could, call. He could be our first guest. Yep. But with us, we got Annalie. Hi. And Ron. Oh, yes. Before we get into today's podcast topic, we're going to start off with, here's the thing. Ron, it is your turn. Okay. Now, I'm just going to, I'm not a huge soccer fan. I'm going on the soccer thing here. And, I mean, you know, the World Cup, I've seen it. I've seen a couple of the games. I saw the, the, the Belgium comeback, you know, that kind of thing. It was, you know, pretty pretty cool. And then yesterday, watching England and Colombia, just a little bit. I didn't catch it. And then all of a sudden, of course, England gets the penalty kick. And what's, what's the big guy's name? Gets the sixth goal. Kane. Kane gets a sixth goal. You know, England's up till the 90th minute. Colombia comes back and does this amazing headbutt, went ricochets <laughs> off and... And you know, the, and then the, they had butt the ball, and you know, and away it goes. And so then it's tied. Then they go into oh, extra time, not overtime. It's extra time, and of course, all the additional time from wasted uh, fake injuries and rolling and 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 going around and around and around. And you know, it's all that good stuff that you know reflects soccer. But here's the thing: game is tied. This is World Cup. And to win the game now, once the game is finished, the regular time is done, the extra time is done, they go into these penalty kicks. 12 yards out, they plop that ball down, they make the goalie stand on the goal line. I don't know. How, how wide is a goal? Do you know how wide the goal is? I don't know. 12 yards? At least. It's... 10 yards? 5 yards? I have 7 no yards? Idea. 8 yards? 5, 15, 20, 30 feet. And going to Google that this. up. So anyway, so each team gets five shots. And it's just a guessing game. The goalie has to stand on the line. He can't move. He can only dive to the left, to the right, up, down, whatever. But he's got like, you know, five different locations that he can guess where they're going to shoot, which makes no sense. Why don't they just give that ball to these two boys and just let them go one-on-one? That makes absolutely no sense. Well, why not? But just like one-on-one. It's like one-on-one basketball. What? Does the person start from half just like no, hockey? No, just, just plop it right down the middle there and just say, okay, you got this little area here. Now see who can steal the ball, who can stick, who can who can uh, ball handle this thing in and out of there and just, you know, and make a shot and go. I mean, obviously, fun. obviously you've never played soccer. I have. I got cut in grade eight. You got cut like you got an injury and rolled on the ground. No, I got cut from the team, oh. from tryouts. You tried out in grade eight. We had a grade eight soccer team. 
And I thought I was the coolest thing. And I I go up to do this 12-yard kick on a goalie. And you miss the ball. See, see, that's it's why hard. you don't like this. That's why I don't like this. Of course I don't like it. It's totally unfair. To who? I, that goalie? That goalie? He can't I mean, he guesses. Guesses right. He's a hero. Guesses wrong. He's a loser. It's a guess game. It's not skill. He's going to dive. Skill. He's going to dive. That's all. You you guess. I could dive. If you guess right, that doesn't mean necessarily you save the ball. Well, no. But if you do happen to hit so it, the, it's totally the England fluky. goalkeeper, he dove and the ball was going over his head and then he had to move his hand and hit the ball. Yeah. That's crazy. That's just a natural reaction when you dive. You have to move your hands. There's nothing. <laughs> not skill. up. It's you not like a. I've like never a, seen you dive like and a, put your hands up. It's not like a glove like save in that. hockey where, whoop, you know, up goes the glove, you know, or a stick save. That's or exactly a the kick. same thing. No, these guys, they got gaping holes. I mean, you could, so it's even you harder. Could put a blindfold on these guys and just and they could they could score guaranteed. No, because, they couldn't. Yes, they could. No, they. Well, some of them could because they're that good. They're that good. You could. And that goalie gets he sucks because he can't move. <laughs> I don't eight, like eight him. yards by the way. The the goal mm. is eight yards. That's twenty four feet. Twenty four feet. And I bet if I put you on the twelve yard line, yes, and a professional goalie, you would score zero out of five. I could pop and <laughs> you'd tell me which corner I'd kick <laughs> it in there. I could put an angle on that thing. And dig. this is what we're doing after the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna go see how good Rod is actually. But seriously, does that? I don't know. I mean, that's just not fair. I think they should just. But the other well, team has the same thing. So I that's what makes it fair. Nah, that's not fair. They for should, fair for who? They should maybe go like two on two or something like that, and 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 forget about you know every and just run it. You know, like then why the don't hockey, they do that for hockey? They do. They no, they don't. It. In the regular season, they do. They drop it down to three and three. But that's what they that's what they do in all of soccer. It Produces more scoring chances. But is there ties in hockey? Nope. They play until shootout. The so just out. so just like soccer. Is, okay, if if the goalie could move up with the guy, you pop that thing on center on on the center line, and the goalie he can move. But that's with so unrealistic. Why? That would never happen. If he could move it into his crease, absolutely. Try it. <laughs> I think we should call FIBA. FIFA. FIFA. <laughs> we call Ron, FIFA. Ron, uh, I think you you could just stop watching soccer. No, I can enjoy it. I can enjoy this. It's like you're watching Belgium come back. That was that was pretty amazing. Uh, the England game, uh, whatever. Kane, he's not that good, is he? How did he get six goals? Three of them are penalty kicks. Oh, exactly. That's because he gets fouled in the box. Well, that was a pretty significant foul that Colombia had on. They tackled him. So. so. Yeah, but I just think I just think they could they they should be open for different options on the penalty kick. They got to rethink that. <laughs> you should write a letter. Write a letter. I'm on it. All right. Thanks, Ron. On here's the thing. I'm just I'm not happy. <laughs> this is gonna affect the whole rest of your day. My goodness. I'm gonna work on that. Oh man, but we're gonna continue. Uh, we're gonna talk about uh, discipleship. How to disciple your team or how to walk along with them. What does it look like as a parent? Uh, that kind of thing. So first question, what is discipleship? I heard once uh, this pastor was meeting with 
two elders or two uh, head pastors of this church, and they're describing ministry, and they're like, yeah, our church, we're crazy about discipleship. It's all about discipleship. Like, we really want to disciple people. And the pastor's like, okay, cool, cool. He's like, yeah, we just hear it's like the best thing to do. He's like, okay. And then they look at the pastor and like, um, what is discipleship? Mm-hmm. And so we say it so much that I don't know. Do we actually know what it means? So what is dis- discipleship? You going? I'll go. <laughs> Well, I, I think there's a couple of things that I'd like to say. I think discipleship has has evolved over the course of time. You know, I mean, when we look into Scripture and we see Jesus had 12 disciples, those were followers of Christ. They gave up all that they had to be a follower of his teachings, you know. So there is a component there of following, learning, growing, and being completely immersed into the teachings of Jesus, you know, and we would liken that to discipleship, and which is absolutely true. I mean, obviously, how can you not have uh, Jesus at the very center, the message of the gospel, and all that the Word of God teaches to be central in all that we do in terms of discipleship? Now, I, I grew up in, you know, and for many of us, old school uh, teaching is linear, meaning that somebody with knowledge stands up in front and and, and just, you know, unloads knowledge, and away we go. Discipleship, as I recalled, even when I first entered into youth ministry in the 80s, is, okay, these kids would come to know Christ, and, you know, and obviously to teach them on a Tuesday or a Thursday, whichever I did, on a weekly basis, you know, you know, you have, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 kids in your youth group, and all of a sudden you're, you're realizing, I'm, I'm not feeding the ones that need to be fed, and I'm not discipling the ones that need to be discipled, and I'm trying to figure out how those kids who don't know God can hear about God and respond to it. So there's, we, we struggle with that in the youth group. So we, what do we, how do we do that? And so I think I moved into the world of um, uh, navigators and Campus Crusade for Christ at that time, now Power to Change, and they all had discipleship books that they would give to, and it was geared more for young adults, I would say, for college, but I, I kind of made it happen for the high school kid. So it, for me, discipleship was meeting with kids, imparting knowledge, and having them actually even do homework, you know, that's what we called our discipleship group, hmm. you know. So there was a point in time where I would meet with kids one on t- one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three, but basically it's a smaller group where you get to have a, a whole lot of influence in. That's the old school. Now I would say, like, that's a, that's a, uh, that's a boomer generation thing. Um, that's how we learn. That's how we want it. So if I want to teach you how to do something, I'm going to tell you how to do it, and I'm going to expect you to do it the way I told you to, mm-hmm. you know? So that's how you should live. Mm-hmm. I think we're in a new world. I, I think the, the millennials and the Gen Zs have have kind of turned the corner on some of that, whereas they are more interested in relationship. They love the teaching, but that relationship has to be relevant. 
I didn't, you know, did I have a relationship with all this? But I, I felt, okay, this is Bible study time. The only way you're going to change your world, the only way you're going to change is if you're going to know the Bible and you're going to memorize Scripture and you're going to live like this. And this is what we go through all of those things and then you'd hope for change, you know. Was there as much a relationship in that? As a youth pastor, I would like to say that I did have a relationship, but at the end of the day, it I kind of hung my hat on the knowledge, you know. And I says, "You got to learn this. This is if you're not going to learn this, you're not going to grow." Pure and mm-hmm. simple. So, so I think in that world, I says, you know, we can define discipleship obviously as someone who follows Jesus, who is, uh, you know, learning from someone who is older, wiser, more mature, uh, imparting their their way of life, their wisdom. Uh, all, all of that, you know, to someone who doesn't know all that we know, mm-hmm. you know. So there's part of that. Now, that's just a, a tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. I've thought of discipleship and discipling in ways like, yeah, we look at the disciples, and I think what you're saying, the knowledge part is heavy because I think a disciple is a learner. And so part of that is teaching, a lot of teaching. Mm-hmm. But then... Even as you're saying that, Ron, it's clarifying to me that, yeah, how we do things now with kids and um, with teenagers is the learning aspect, but it is heavy on the relationship side. And I think that's what we saw with Jesus and his disciples, too, is Mm -hmm. that he taught them. They came. It was a small group, which, well, there was fluctuations in that group, right, big and small. But um, they also did life together and they Mm -hmm. followed. and, um, And so it was kind of the combo of both. And so when I think of discipleship today, how do we do make disciples how do we disciple kids teenagers it's that combination of doing life in a way that is also teaching mm-hmm. and and creating kids teens who want to learn and follow Jesus and because it's part of their life not just the study time but actually integrating that into their life that's what we try to that's i think what we say from our big talks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at campus night we try to do that in core groups we try to do that with case studies try to make the teachings of Jesus part of their life and the relationships that they're having mm-hmm. with people. Yeah. And so who would you say for teenagers, who's the primary source of discipleship for them? Well, as a, as a parent, as a Christian parent, follower of Christ, it would be the parents. Uh, they're the ones that are ultimately are are most set up. You know, the it's, it's, it's right in front of them, you know, every day, 24-7. Uh, is there, a, you know, a focus on that for most parents? I, I would like to say as a Christian parent that, yeah, there would be teaching times. There would be uh, opportunities for that. And, and I think, you know, as, especially in our culture today, and this is, again, in this Gen Z world, there is a larger disconnect due to technology with kids and parents than there ever has been before. And it, it's evident because every one of these kids carries around a, uh, a, a computer disguised as a cell phone, you know. So therefore, how do we stay engaged? You know, I think one thing that would, as a parent, you, you're wondering, are, am I still connected with my kids, you know? Do they understand that I have things that they need to learn about God and about walking with Christ and all of those things? And so I think, yeah, the parent, uh, absolutely, the most influential person. So with that, um, because parents get kids the most, like they see kids, their kid hopefully every day, 
mm-hmm. they have that face-to-face relationship. Like, they have this, this relationship with them. Whereas the church, I mean, depending on how involved the kid is, um, if they just come to youth and church on Sundays, that's only twice a week. Um, so you can see how the parent is really um, ha- has that weight or mm-hmm. opportunity to disciple these kids in such a real way. So for parents out there uh, who are realizing, okay, I am the main discipler of my kid, now what? Like what kind of, like wh- how? What what kind of questions do you ask? Is it is it all about the questions or is it about just being like, I'm just going to spend some like quality time. Um, mm-hmm. And quality time is just like, I'm going to spend just an hour, just me and my boy or me and my girl and just hang out. Is that what discipleship is or is it there's specific questions you have to be asking or you have to be specifically doing something or you have to be specifically reading something mm-hmm. or what is it like what does this kind of process look like for mm-hmm. a parent i'd say it looks like a lot of what you said and it would look different for different families um doing things together is super important and modeling and doing Well, we said doing life together is a big thing and having that relationship, as Ron was saying. And so having a relationship with your teens, I think, is vital to being able to disciple them spiritually. So if you're not working at understanding them and they don't understand you and there's no safety in that relationship, it's really hard to do anything beyond that. And I think that's a hard balance from going from your child to a teenager and that that's always a hard Mm -hmm. transition in building trust in that in a way that they're going to allow you to speak into their life spiritually and into their faith. And, um, and there's also the fact that a lot of times kids just go off of their parents' faith. Like they're mm-hmm. just, it's my parents' faith, it's my parents' faith. And so how do we also disciple in a way that you're not just feeding them everything that you believe, but you're actually helping them yeah. to grow in their own faith and their own study of God's word and their own beliefs and claim it for themselves, which is what we see a lot of kids do in their mm-hmm. high school years. Yeah, and I think I think a key word for every parent should be intentionality. Mm-hmm. You know, we often think, okay, I'm going to carve out this time, and 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 this is what we're going to do, and and you you can do that to a degree, but again, we almost have to buy into small bits and pieces and be happy with what we get at times. So you know. What does breakfast look like? What does you know supper look like? You know, are there moments during the week when you know that you can carve out uh, some time with your son or daughter? You know, as inconvenient as it is to take them to a volleyball game or to get them to a practice, and you get them for that ten minutes or that fifteen minutes in the, in a vehicle. Those are good times, you know. Um, I, and I think that intentionality that you have to be there to ask those questions and to be to be relevant with them. I, I think th- this is a different age that we're dealing with. It, it you know, I mean, uh, I, I grew up in the in the apologetic era of defend the faith. God does exist, and I'll prove it. And we'll have a debate, and we go through all of those things, which is amazing but you know it, it 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 was like it was a victory stamp you know for all of us that you know you could put the best of the best against the agnostics and the and the atheists and all of those and and you know and they would go and you know christianity would win you know so to speak but now we live in this post christian era so i think as parents you have to recognize you know and this is this you know if your child is born like from that 98 and on that we call that post-Christian era now, 
there isn't that, oh, they'll get it. You know, like you said, they'll, this stuff will wear off. It just won't. And so that's why you have to be so intentional yeah. about how, uh, what, you know, it's maybe doesn't God exist, but if, he, if God does exist, why do bad things happen? See, that's, a, that's something that a teenager is, is more than willing. Okay, okay, I get it. There's a God. But why does this happen? So it's that next step. I think that's that whole understanding of, of figuring out how do we, you know, walk alongside our teenagers and, and help them answer the difficult questions of life, you know. And, and that's where study and scripture and knowing, you know, how to walk alongside your son or daughter through times where there is doubt, you know, and to say, okay, how are you walking through this? You know, I mean, you know, it's not my faith, you know, that you have to absorb. It's, you know, you have to own your own faith. And as your sons and daughters get older, particularly if they get into the high school, grade 11 and grade 12, and you know that, okay, they're going to be stepping out into a whole different world. What has been your impact and your influence? Well, intentionality. You have to book time. You have to, you know, live for those moments, whether it's 15 minutes or whether it's a uh, a day doing stuff together or whatever. But those are discipleship moments for parents, you know. And I think that's when you get to talk about those questions and get to ask those questions. And you don't have to have all the answers, but boy, is it good to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. I think another point is that um, you also, as a parent, have to be studying and growing yourself and learning mm-hmm. because you can't take your kids somewhere where you haven't already been and they're going to come up with questions that are going to be hard and scary, especially with the way our culture is right now and that in that post-Christian era. And maybe you don't have the answers. And right. so I think that that's part of the job that you do have to go and, f- and, and study that's the and beauty the of, of youth group, right? Is yeah. that, that's what we want to do alongside. We want to come alongside uh, parents. Mm-hmm. We want to equip parents. We want to uh, you know that's why we had some uh, you know parent or parent conferences with uh, uh, between two worlds and that kind of thing. And then you know and we 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 don't want to say we're the primary teachers, but we want to come alongside these students and say, okay, here here's what the Bible teaches. You know, and you need to engage your mom and dad on this too. You know, and and parents, you should ask us what we're teaching. You should, you know, hey, what what is being taught, and mm-hmm. and what what are some things here that we could come alongside and and help. You know, all those kind yeah. of things. Yeah, I think it's great for parents to be learning themselves, like what Annalie was saying. Because if kids are coming to church on Sunday, coming to church on Thursday, and if parents are just just doing stuff on only Sunday, just coming and listening to Jeff or Greg or Ezra or Andy, well, then isn't that a bit less than what the kids are doing? The kids might actually be discipling you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that uh, wouldn't be the first time that happened. No, it wouldn't be. And so yeah. parents, there's a lot of onus on you being like, God's given you this gift of a child, mm-hmm. and he's going to call you an accountability for what you've done with this child. Um, I think a, a great thing to do is to be persistent with good questions. Mm. I remember there was a question that we're on our way back from uh, UBC football and Ron asked me, he was like, so on a scale of one to 10, how is your relationship with Jesus? And I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, okay, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, Mm. but what's like a good number that I can just say and then we just Mm -hmm. move on and I don't have to talk about this anymore? I'm like, you know, nothing less than a five. And so I'm like, Seven. Oh, good. And I was thinking, I'm like, I fooled him. Mm-hmm. I got him going. And I know I didn't. Mm-hmm. But 
Um, it's to be persistent in the questions and ask and make sure you're asking open-ended questions, not questions kids can just shut down right away. And I think that's something super important. And so, um, I know when my brother always takes kids out, he was like, okay, how's your relationship with Jesus? Mm -hmm. What is your relationship with Jesus? Like, how is it going? What is, what is happening in it? If mm -hmm. nothing happening in it, then it's not a relationship. And so I uh, just hearing how he asks questions, it's awesome. And we need to be better. If we want better answers, we've got to ask better questions. Sure. Mm -hmm. Maybe, how, how can I pray for you today? Mm -hmm. you That's know? a great question. I mean, just like, it, it's just part of the, part of life. Like, I, I would expect if, if uh, uh, you know, Annalie, if you came and says, hey, Ron, can you pray for this for me today? I mean, I'd want to do that, you know, or Luke or whatever. And if I came and says, hey, guys, we got to pray for this. This is, this is huge. Yeah. You know, I mean, so th that's part of doing life together. Mm -hmm. And I think as a parent, that's what we want, right? right. We want that to happen. Yeah. yeah. So what would be, if there are any resources for parents to help with their kids or even like their own walk with God, um, are there any out there that would be good for them to read? Maybe how to understand who their kid is a bit more so they can really understand where they're coming from? Any books out there or podcasts or articles, anything like that, have you guys? Well, I, I think, you know, to explore the world of podcasts and things like that is to be, and to listen to, our, our world gets flooded with all kinds of everything from good teaching, from the, you know, we can get it from internet, we can get it from our favorite preachers beyond our own church and all that kind of thing. So there are ways that you can grow through, you know, obviously podcasts and, and listening to various things. But I, I would say, you know, pick some authors that you like. Pick some people that you really like to listen and to learn from, you know, and so that those would be good things to grab a hold of. And and it, it's just like, um, you know, I went on vacation and uh, I picked, I went to a thrift store and I picked up uh, a book called... Um, Jesus called and wants his church back, you know, and it's by a guy that was in youth ministry for years. He's now a senior pastor leading a large church, and I thought, oh, I know this guy, Ray Johnson. He's awesome, and he was, and, you know, but I knew he's a senior pastor now, and so I read that book, and, and I mean, it just, you know, anytime you can get into something like that, and it, it just, I was excited about it and brought it back and gave it to obviously you guys to read and we'll continue to dialogue that. But, but I think you know, find those authors, find those people that encourage you, and uh, you know wh whether it's uh, you know, um, you know, I I like going to to be honest to uh, to guys uh, that uh, go through Dallas Seminary. I listen to their chapel. They always have strong, strong biblical teaching. So I listen to their chapels, thirty minute chapels. That's all they have. You know, and they have some very, very amazing guys that go through there that are gifted, gifted teachers. That's something I just do for my own personal. Yeah. Annalie? I would say that uh, Northview here, that resources well just with personal growth in Bible study groups and mm -hmm. community groups. Um, like the Precepts Women's? Precept Women Bible, Women's Bible Study. There's a Men's Bible Study. There's a Men's Precept Group, um, just to name a few. And then there's various other classes and things that happen all year long. And to take advantage of those, I know that's another evening out. And um, But that community that grows there, and as you study the Bible alongside other people, I think is super helpful for your own growth and you're being discipled. And then you take that into the lives of your kids, or you bring your right. kids there. There's You see kids and their moms there? I do. I'm in the precept group, and there are teenagers yeah. and moms and 
that come together and sometimes they're in different groups. So they get to study with other people, not just with their mom, but they are there together and it's so cool and they can talk about it with each other about what they're studying together and learn together. And that's a really, really unique yeah. and cool. And thing. I think too, you know, we're, we're blessed in our church to have great uh, biblical preaching. Mm. Take it home. Mm-hmm. Talk about it over lunch, you know. Just, you know, grab, make some notes on this stuff and say, hey, well, that, we got to talk about this. Yeah. You know, just so that you can get a few minutes where these kids can kind of interact. Hey, what do you think about this when Jeff said this or Greg said this or whatever, you know. Yeah. And, and if you're struggling with trying to understand more of your kid's culture and what is going on and the issues and what they struggle with, I recommend the book iGen mm-hmm. and uh, the book Generation Z. Um, that one's by James Emery White. Uh, iGen is by Gene Twang, T-W-E-N-G-E, I believe. And those are just good books on uh, what is this culture that kids are growing up in, mm-hmm. what True are the enough. proclivities, yep. and stuff like that. And it's really interesting. Also... Don't be afraid to ask questions about mm. what they're watching, what they're learning, what they like and what they dislike. What like what who and who do they idolize mm-hmm. in today's society? What music are they listening to? Like you got to ask those kind of questions to really understand what they are. Listen to the songs, mm-hmm. and don't just turn them off because you don't and like the sound. Like look at the lyrics. Mm-hmm. What is the person saying? Why do kids like it? And remember, everybody has a worldview. Yeah, just on how they make decisions. And so, how do your Teenagers make decisions. That's a good question. How do you go about making decisions? You know, make up a hypothetical situation. Say, if you were in this situation, what would you do? Mm. Why? You know, and just to have that understanding that, okay, I just, I'm not a robot. I get to think and to make decisions. You know, the older they get, the more independent they get. And okay, what is actually the foundational, you know, uh, understanding of their morals and their values, you know? So those are good things to do. Wouldn't you also say another thing to ask about is their friends and how things are going in their friends' lives because what they say about their friends and their friends' struggles could actually be saying Mm -hmm. a lot about what they are thinking and going through as well or trying to deal with with their friends. And then you can speak into that, which opens them up to trust you and see, oh, you are smart. You have some things to say. Mm -hmm. And along with that, I ask, uh, when I interview youth leaders, I ask, okay, who's your your best friend? Mm -hmm. Because I want to know what they value in friendship and what they value in getting to know people. Um, And parents ask that, see what they say, and maybe you can help actually provide some of that, what they're looking to friends for, which they could actually look to you for. Mm -hmm. But in all this, this is the end of the podcast. If you have any questions, please email us at btw at northview.org. We're happy to respond and help answer your questions or just talk or whatever it is. Okay, catch you next week.